it gives me a huge amount of reward. You know, when I sit in a meeting like that, when things are really challenged and watch watch people bounce off the ideas, and these are people who know stuff that I don't know, right? They're airline people who know how the airport um, operations need to work. They're, so there's so many technical aspects, and I sit there in a room, and I don't know how to do any of that, but I watch these people, and I just encourage them to speak up and share their ideas and watch it watch the ideas bounce backwards and forwards and until eventually a solution arises welcome to the joe momo presents podcast this is the calgary leader series let's start the show I'm really excited to have my next guest on the podcast. She's the CEO and president at Lynx Air. Welcome to the podcast, Marin McCarthy. Hi, Joe. Really nice to meet you. And um, yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Perhaps you could let the listeners know who you are and what you do. Yeah, I am the uh, president and CEO of Lynx Air, a ultra low cost carrier that just launched in uh, April this year. So we're just uh, on, actually, as of today, I think we're eight months old. Uh, it's a brand new, and uh, we're on an exciting journey to make air travel accessible for all Canadians. Awesome. And what's perhaps something that Lynx Air does that not many people know about? I guess it's only eight months old, but perhaps uh, share a little bit more about uh, the work Lynx Air does. Yeah, so it's... A great question. I love that question because uh, there is something I think that is unique about Link Air in terms of we, we're bringing the ultra low cost carrier model to Canada. Now there are other airlines also doing that, but we're aiming to differentiate ourselves by not only providing ultra affordable fares, which will inspire more Canadians and enable more Canadians to fly, but also uh, by providing a great flying experience because the feedback we've had from Canadians about why there hasn't been such a great adoption of the ultra-low-cost carry model is that uh, they don't believe that you get a good flying experience. Uh, and so we're aiming to debunk that theory and or that belief. And uh, by flying brand-new Boeing 737 aircraft with really bright, spacious interior and ergonomic seats, which somehow magically give you a bit more legroom and all our passengers are really pleasantly surprised. It's interesting to watch their faces as they get on board. It's not what they expect from a low-cost carrier. And the other thing uh, that we are doing is focusing really on what's important to the customers. We don't believe that low-cost should mean low-value. So part of uh, a great flying experience, it doesn't have to cost extra. We're really just focusing on making sure we get passengers where they need to be for their vacation or for uh, catching up with their friends and family. And so we're aiming to minimise our cancellations. And I'm proud to say that in the eight months that we've been operating, we've had the best or the lowest cancellation rate in the industry uh, for six of those months. And five of those months, we were actually um, cancelled less than 1% of our flights. So that's that's a real target and goal of ours, to just change the expectations of Canadians for what it means to fly an ultra low-cost carrier. Mm-hmm. One of the things that you said that really perked up my ears was uh, extra legroom. So yeah, you, you know why you yes. 
<laughs> that's one that's uh, six three. I could really appreciate the the extra leg room. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, but you might not need you know to carry a big suitcase, so you can save money on the suitcase, but pay a little bit extra on the extra leg room for sure. That's that's the <laughs> idea of the model is you choose what you need. You only pay for what you need and save on the journey. I love that. Um, You'd mentioned that you guys had started eight months ago, and I'm sure everybody knows what happened a couple of years ago with the pandemic and whatnot, but um, in terms of challenges, what's in such a high dynamic, highly regulated consumer-facing industry, what are some of the challenges that you face as an airline? Uh, well, so the airline industry, I, I think, is probably one of the most challenging industries to be in, uh, and that's actually what I love about it, because I love a challenge and I love trying to solve problems and, and get through the challenge. It's very satisfying when you do. Uh, and part of the reason is because we have very high fixed costs, uh, but the demand side of it is, is not so fixed. It's actually much more variable. And so whether or not people are choosing to fly depends on so many different variables in the external environment, the economy, um, their own personal circumstances, COVID, post-COVID, all of those things impact on our demand, whereas we've got this really big fixed cost base that we need to, to cover by um, by selling our seats. So it's, uh, and then we're exposed to high fuel prices, which is what we've currently got. We're exposed to the post-COVID environment where people were a little bit nervous to fly and then all of a sudden they decided everybody wanted to fly at once uh, and that put a lot of pressure on the uh, airline system. So there's been a lot of challenges this year. There's also labour shortages uh, at the moment. A lot of people during COVID uh, either decided to leave the industry or they retired. And so uh, there's probably a pilot shortage looming at the moment. So all of those challenges. But we love a challenge in the aviation industry. It, it attracts people who uh, like to be challenged and like to uh, solve problems and uh, find a way to get our customers from where they start to where they really want to be. I've read that you've had over 11 years of experience as a C-suite executive in the aviation sector, and um, you say you love a challenge. So I'm just curious, um, how do you build resilience in times of challenge as a leader? Yeah, it's a great question. And uh, I, have a, I have a bit of experience in it because I've just listed all the, <laughs> the challenges that we're confronted by. Uh, and we had a challenge, actually, Links had a challenge. We've got the normal startup kind of, problems but we also uh, were in the lead up to the summer we were ramping up really nice and slowly so that we uh, made sure that our operations were really humming along by the time summer came along and we could fly the planes really really hard and fly lots of passengers around Canada across that across the country with our, in our planes and make a lot of money and and become profitable uh, and then a couple of days before the July, we found out that two of our aircraft were going to be delayed by over a month. So that threw us into quite a bit of chaos. Uh, and uh, the airlines are such complicated things that when you have something as significant as that, like two aircraft less uh, in your fleet, then it has a lot of flow on effects and it's quite complicated to try and resolve it. So we were having daily meetings with the team. Uh, I was leading it. And I get, um, I think that the thing with, uh, challenges and, and building resilience uh, in a team to face the challenges is being real, really strong physical leadership, being involved. I was involved in the daily meetings and I was really facilitating the discussion and the problem troubleshooting that was going on amongst the teams so that they can make sure that everybody's heard, 
everybody's idea was thought through so we could make sure we got the best outcome for our passengers. And then I could then make a quick decision and we could move with it. So everything was about timing and collaboration and innovation and ideas. Um, and then the other thing that's, I guess, most important is you give people a sense of optimism because that went on, that went on for a whole month. Uh, and people were working day in, day out, you know, really, really long hours. And so there, there does to get to be a sense of fatigue and a sense of, is this, how long is this going to go on for? So I just had to continually remind people that this was a short term problem, that the other two, the two planes were going to be coming in in a few weeks and we will get through this and we'll look back on this and it'll be part of our startup story. <laughs> uh, and we have got through it and it is part of our startup story and we all talk about July with both, um, you know, some some amusement and some frustration but also actually a, a bit of nostalgia because the team really came together beautifully and I think we learned a lot in that short space of time about how we work and how we get things done in the airline. Well, I appreciate you sharing that story on the podcast. It sounds like you just really have to have that collaboration and that sense of optimism to really get through um, tough times. Inevitably, there's always going to be tough times, but it sounds like you guys get through. Yeah, we did. Um, speaking of challenges, let's maybe switch more to the other side of the spectrum of success uh, for you personally or professionally. What does uh, success look like for you? Well, for me personally, in the current role, uh, I look forward four years, three, four years, and we will have uh, a fleet of between 30 and 40 aircraft. And I success to me means that we will be a well-known and respected and trusted brand in Canada, and we will have inspired many people to fly more often than they currently can or um, fly some, for some people to fly for the first time. We, still, we do get some passengers who, because our fares are so low, they're flying for the very first time, and that's super exciting. So we really want to transform the aviation landscape here in Canada and that would be a uh, success for me would be to have achieved that and to have grown the um, air travel market to have, to have um, facilitated more air travel by Canadians both across the country and to international destinations. I love that. One thing I always love to ask my guests that come on the podcast as well is um, what sort of skills or unique skill has made you become so successful in your career? Yeah, it's a great question, and I love that question. I've thought about it a lot. Uh, you know, I think that my greatest skill is that I'm a good talent spotter. So uh, I, everything that I've achieved, I couldn't have achieved without a great team uh, supporting me and uh, and really, to be honest, making me look good. Um, I'm just the person that takes the glory at the top, but um, it's the team that actually delivers the outcomes. And to, to build a successful, high-performing team, which I've done many times, requires an ability to identify and develop talent. And so I think that's that's my secret sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I love that secret sauce. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, what's what's maybe, you mentioned your secret sauce, but how would you say, or what are the best resources that's, that's helped you along your way in your career that made you develop that secret sauce, if you will? The, the people side of it, you know, in terms of my success, I've already talked about the people side of it. Uh, the other thing that the other resource that I have used in developing my career, when I was uh, earlier on in earlier stages of my career, I, I lacked quite a bit of confidence. So I uh, I found a way 
to overcome that was to make sure that I was fully briefed on what I was doing. So if I was doing something for the first time in particular or if I was changing roles or just been promoted, then I felt confident if I had the facts, if I had the information and I knew my brief. So um, my most treasured resource from that perspective is Google. <laughs> um, because, you know, so if I'm ever worried or nervous about something, then I'll just Google it and make sure that I know um, I know all about it so that then I move, go into a meeting and I feel very confident that I've got all the facts at my disposal. I don't need that so much now because I've been in the airline industry for 14 years, but certainly when you're changing roles or you're doing something for the first time, it's a very handy tool and, and no one needs to know. <laughs> <laughs> My secret's safe with me. Um, <laughs> I may or may not do the same thing. <laughs> uh, maybe during your Googles or just in everyday life, um, what's maybe something you've read or listened to that's really inspired you? Well, actually, just recently, um, this, is, this is a bit out of left field, but I listened to a... a a New York Times podcast about about Uruguay uh, and about Uruguay's uh, transition to be probably one of the most sustainable communities in the world. And I really loved listening to it um, because, you know, you hear so much about climate change at the moment and, to be honest, it can be quite confronting and depressing because we don't seem to, it feels like we don't seem to have the answers and we seem to be making slow progress. That's just my sense, and it's always all over the media. And then to hear a story about a community, four million people, who have uh, have gone to sustainable power sources, they've really gone away from um, from old old technology um, to new technology. And apparently, the community themselves have then because so the, obviously the government led that with the transition from um, to sustainable uh, energy options. Uh, but then the people followed by becoming more sustainable in the way they lived. So, you know, not getting brand new cars all the time and recycling their clothes. And uh, so I, I listened to that and I thought, well, okay, it's it's achievable. We can change our behaviours and we can change our, um, our footprint and humans are amazing at that, actually. I have to keep reminding myself there's been many challenges that human, humans have faced over the centuries and we've always found a way. So it gave me it gave me a bit of optimism. Absolutely. Humans are quite adaptable, so uh, very yep. optimistic as well. <laughs> yep. yep. On that note, though, uh, is there anything else that you're curious about right now? Um, it could be in the airline industry, it could be personally, it could be just everyday life. What, what's something that has Marin curious? I'm constantly curious about the weather here <laughs> in Calgary. You know, I come from a country that is defined by the heat and by, you know, lack of water, actually, lack of, um, so in Australia and I've moved to Canada, which is a country and particularly Calgary is defined by cold. We have beautiful summers for sure and I love the summers here, but, um, you know, it never ceases to amaze me how Calgarians get around um, about their business in minus 20 degrees. Uh, I could never have even thought that you could even function like that. And people are just, you know, women are out pushing their brams with babies all rugged up. Uh, I just, and it's it's a constant learning experience for me. I find it fascinating. And it's one of the good things about, um, I've always loved travel and I've always liked doing, particularly doing travel, working travel, where you can actually live in a community and get to know uh, the ways in which people work and live uh, and the different culture. And, and it opens your eyes. So I, I find it 
really fascinating to see how Canadians have made a, a rather inhospitable environment very hospitable. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm always amazed when I see people with uh, shorts and minus like 15, 10 to yeah. <laughs> Well, women in stilettos walking on icy <laughs> How do you do that? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm actually curious, uh, kind of on this topic. Uh, you've mentioned you've traveled all around the world. Uh, you're in the airline industry, so I'm curious. What's maybe a place or city that you haven't been to yet that you'd love to go to? Wow. Well, there's so many actually. And um, when I was going, I was having a planning a career break just before COVID hit. And so my husband and I were trying to identify um, the cities that we really, really wanted to go to. And it was hard. There's a lot. Um, the one city that I'm interested in going to is probably oh, so many, Budapest. It just sounds like such a fascinating city. Um, it's in a part of Europe that I've never been to. Would really love to go there. I've heard such great things about it. You know, there's a, there's a city in Canada that I haven't been to yet, which I'm really curious to go to, which is which is Quebec City. And so, I, again, I've heard great things about it, and I'm, I'm fascinated by Canada's multicultural history and um, bilingualism. So, and I, I studied French at school, so that's why it's interesting to me. Awesome. Yeah, those are definitely on my list as well. So <laughs> maybe I'll bump yeah. into you. One of those cities yeah. in the future. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, yeah. I only have a few more questions here for you. A couple more questions. What's maybe one question that you never get asked that you wish you would be asked? When I when I uh, take on speaking engagements now, I like to focus more on you know my disappointments and failures in my career. So I think that it's good for people to ask those questions because I remember listening to a podcast with a uh, a woman who had a really really successful career. And when I listened to her career, I was like, wow, it just seemed to, the way she described it seemed to come so easy. And I actually found that a little bit demoralizing, really, because I was like, it didn't come easy for me. <laughs> uh, and so it made me think, and I thought, well, next time I do a speech or something about my career, rather than focus on my achievements, I should focus on the disappointments along the way, because the disappointments are the things that have led me to where I've got to and the way I've navigated you know they've ended up with being the changes or turns in my career journey which um if i look back they were pivotal and uh i've really achieved what i've achieved because i've learned from those mistakes or i've changed direction and found something to found a better direction mm, i love that actually called mistakes or failures more learning opportunities so uh I love that. yeah yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, what's maybe something that you're proud of that we haven't touched on in the interview so far? I am proud that I chose a wonderful, wonderful husband uh, with whom we've had four beautiful children, and he had the courage to be one of you know one of the very few men who actually uh, uh, um, is primary caregiver for our children or was. They're all grown up now. Uh, so he had a successful career as an architect, but he chose to be the primary caregiver for the children. And that's, uh, you know, people often talk about, talk, say to me that they, you know, that I'm a pioneer because I'm a female CEO and there's not many of us. But actually, I think it's even tougher for a man to give up um, their career, given the expectations on men societally, uh, in society. Uh, and there's not many, many support networks for them. It's going against the expectations. So um, I'm, I'm really proud of him and I'm proud of um, what he's done to help me um, and my family get to where we are. 
I love that. It sounds like you have a very good support network with you. And that's awesome. Yeah. Um, where can our listeners connect with you online if they want to uh, reach out, connect, uh, learn more about you? Yeah, so I um, am active on LinkedIn. Uh, and if they want to find out more about links, um, they can go to flylinks.com and um, and buy a ticket and try us out. <laughs> absolutely. The holidays are coming, so guys, go reach out. Yeah, to absolutely. Our, uh... Good sales on right now. So, yeah, get, on, <laughs> get online. Awesome. And I'd like to end the interview with one last question. Um, so my last question to you, Marin, is what does being a leader or leadership mean to you? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. It's what does it mean to me? It means it gives me a huge amount of reward. I get, and particularly the, the sort of stories that I was describing to you before, you know, when I sit in a meeting like that, when things are really challenged and watch watch people bounce off the ideas. And these are people who know stuff that I don't know, right? They're airline people who know how the airport um, operations need to work. They're, they're pilots. They know how to fly planes. They're, uh, so there's so many technical aspects. And I sit there in a room and I don't know how to do any of that, but I watch these people and I just encourage them to speak up and share their ideas and watch it, watch the ideas bounce backwards and forwards and until eventually a solution arises. Uh, so from a leadership, the most important thing about leadership to me is it's super rewarding to see people work together and be successful together and how, um, uh, how that makes them feel and how it makes them feel. Hi, I'm Maren MacArthur and you're listening to Joe Momo Presents. Thanks again for watching the Joe Momo Presents podcast. For more episodes, check out joemomo.com slash podcasts. All right. See you next time.